Hey, good morning, Southcrest. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, I want to welcome our LaGrange campus here today. You are joining us from the city of LaGrange. I want you to give us a big shout out. We're so glad that you're here with us today. They are down there. Listen, we are one month away from celebrating our first year anniversary of our LaGrange campus. Isn't that awesome? September 15th, we're going to be celebrating down there. You guys will be hearing more about that. We're very excited, but I want to welcome you here today. Hey, look at your neighbor real quick and say, I'm glad you showed up. All right. I'm glad you're here. That's good. That's good. Some of you go, I've never been to a church like that. I like the type of church where nobody talks to me. Nobody says anything. Well, listen, you came to the wrong place. This place is full of a bunch of crazy people. And uh, I love you guys. Listen, I am so blessed to get to be a part of this. I tell our staff all the time, can you just believe that God lets us do this? Like, this is crazy. This is awesome. And so I'm so glad that you're here. We're in week two of our series called uh, Come Alive, and we've been studying through the book of Acts, and we're going to be back there today. But before we start, you know, last week we had this huge push uh, towards getting people to volunteer in our church. And today on your Connect card, there's a place for you to sign up and volunteer here at Southcrest. I, I just want to give a big shout out. We had 126 people sign up last week, new volunteers, brand new volunteers. Okay, that's the cool thing. Now, let me give you the challenge today. We still need 140 new volunteers in our church. So look at your neighbor real quick and say, where are you at? All right? (laughs) Some of you go, oh my gosh, he just called me out. No, I didn't call you out. Your neighbor did, okay? So here's the deal. You still need to sign up. We need you everywhere from next-gen ministry to creative arts to guest services. Our church from day one to the day we live today, we've been built on the volunteers and the people that serve. I love it. We have 3,000 billboards all over South Atlanta, and you guys walk around and tell people about what God's doing in and through you. And so thank you for that. Now, here, here's another reason why you need to sign up to volunteer, okay? Because if we don't get 140 people, this is what it's going to look like on the screen, okay? This guy right here, when everyone declines on Planning Center, he'll be doing it all, okay? Making coffee, playing guitar, it's a killer guitar, by the way. So please sign up. We need you, all right? Uh, last week, we made a, a huge statement that really we're going to bounce the whole series off of because it begins in Acts chapter 1. And we said this. This is so true. We have been uniquely chosen to be dynamically different, to come alive and change the world. So look at your neighbor and say, you're unique, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's good. In LaGrange, say, hey, you are unique, You have been uniquely chosen. God said, but you will come alive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he said this statement. He said, and you're going to be my witnesses. Like you're going to be the ones that because you have come alive, the world around you will have the opportunity to come alive. And that's a huge statement because when you think about it, sometimes I look at my life and I go, God, you could have picked a much better witness than me. Like, you could have picked someone way more tall, way more talented, you know, hunkamania, whatever. You could have picked somebody better. But you said you chose me to come alive and to go and change the world. And so today in, in, in the series, as we talk through this whole idea, we got to begin with the premise that the world is waiting for us to come alive. The world is watching us. The world is noticing us. And as I said last week, they're kind of they're bumfandled by the fact that sometimes Christians are just seen as angry elves. They're not really seen as people who are difference makers. People that are really engaging the culture. People who are loving above the normal. 
How many of you guys have ever heard this statement before? In life, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. I I mean, I remember the first time I met somebody really, really famous. Remember the first time you met someone who was really, really famous? Remember how it kind of like gave you this swagger, like you went and told all of your friends, hey man, I met so-and-so, we shook hands, we talked. Like, you know, he, he signed my left bicep, you know? I mean, we meet somebody famous and we realize real quickly, it, it's, it's not what we know, it's who we know. In fact, if you're in business here, you totally get this because networking, I mean, you know, we're, we're LinkedIn, right? <laughs> we're networked. We're fully networked. In fact, the greatest business people in the world, they totally get this because they spend their whole life networking with people because it's really not about what you know, It's really about who you know. And it seems like in life that if you know the right people, certain doors seem to open for you. Like if if your friends find out on Facebook that you're friends with someone who's really famous, they look at you and go, dude, how do you know her? Or how do you know him? Like, do y'all hang out together? Oh, yeah, we barbecue once a millennium, okay? We, we, We hang out because life is really not about what you know. It's about who you know. You know, I started thinking about this. Our lives are rarely impacted by information. I mean, we know a lot of things. We live in a world full of facts. But our our lives seem to be more impacted by the people that we meet. Because if you've ever met someone who had a profound impact on your life, you never forget them. It's like, hey, remember that guy? Remember remember that time I met so-and-so? Remember when that happened? And you seem changed by it. And yet you, every day, get bombarded with all this information that's thrown at you. All these facts and figures, and they never change your life. But when you meet one person who changes your life, it's forever different. You know, I heard a guy, he's a leadership guru, he said this one time. He said, you will be the same person you are today, 10 years from now, except for the places you go, the books you read, and the people you meet. And I heard him say that 20 years ago, and so it's never been more real in my life that it really has been true. I mean, the places that I've gone in my life have been amazing. Like, I've seen some amazing things, and, and I've read some things that have really inspired me and changed me and challenged me as a leader. But I want to tell you, it's the people that I've met that has changed my life. It's the people that God, for some reason, intersected my life with their life at just the right moment. And many of them don't even know how deep of an impact they made on my life. And some of you are the same way. Some of you have an uncle, or you have an aunt, or you have a a business leader, or you have a friend, or there's those three or four people that you look at them and you say, that person was a game changer in my life. Because life's really not about what you know. It's really more about who you know. Who you know. I started thinking about this. Why is it that way? Why are we, why are we designed that way? Here's why we're designed this way. God designed us to be known. Do you realize that? God designed us. Like he put this something inside of us that says, I want to be known by somebody. And the loneliest people in life 
Sometimes they have great careers. Sometimes they're very rich. Sometimes they're even popular. But you look at them and they, they, it's like they have a hole in their heart because they still don't feel like they're fully known. Because life's not about what you know, it's about who you know. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. We looked at Acts 1 and 2 and talked about the importance of coming alive. And the way we come alive is through the Holy Spirit. That the day that we give our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And he makes a dynamic difference. Not like just a simple change. Not like just a tweak. Like he comes and gives us the power to live a life that we never knew we could live. So we saw what happened at Pentecost and we saw the, the amazing thing that happened. And, you know, the, the believers, they became alive and the world was kind of looking at them going, wow, these folks are fully engaged. And they began to, to have everyone look at them and notice them as different. But I think it's the moments after that that really help us understand this life of what it means to come alive. Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 1, the Bible says this. One day Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest followers, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And at 3 in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So let me kind of set up the story for you, okay? Peter and John did what we have the opportunity to do every day. They could have stayed back in their house and and just sit around and maybe had like private Bible study with each other, but no, 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 they didn't do that. They left their house and they went into the temple. Why did they go to the temple? Why did they go at the time of prayer? You see, the time of prayer, three in the afternoon, was when everybody showed up. It was when they knew people were going to be there. It's when they knew that there were going to be certain things that they had seen happen year after year after year. And so they go up at the time of prayer, and the Bible says that they encounter this man. And here's what's crazy. The Bible says that somebody... Maybe multiple people had carried this guy every day and brought him to this same place. What was the place? Well, we we see the Bible says it's a gate. It's called beautiful because it was a very tall gate and it was full of gold and silver and it was very ornament. But here's why they would bring him to this gate. Because it was literally the place that they knew that he would have an opportunity to make something and make a living. And so they laid him down there beside the temple gate as hundreds would walk by and he would sit there and he would beg for a living. Look what the Bible says. When Peter, when he, the lame guy, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That was a bold moment. You talk about putting your faith on the line. (laughs) 
You talk about wearing the T-shirt that just doesn't say, hey, I'm a believer in you know, WWJD. I mean, literally, they walked out and they encountered this guy and they had an amazing experience because look what it says in verse 7, taking him by the right hand. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. He went praising God. Here's what's crazy about this story. Like, I've read this story a lot, and it's never really affected me until I put the pieces of this puzzle together in my own heart and my mind. Never in Scripture do we understand the guy's name. We don't know who he is. I mean, it's not like we can say, hey, it's Billy, the beggar, right? It's not like we can say, hey, the guy's name's James, or the guy's name's Philip, or the guy's name's Roger, the Bible just says he was just a man. In most of my life when I've read this story, I've kind of just glanced by that here's what I thought. Oh, he was just another beggar. No, he wasn't another beggar. See, before we jump in today, before we talk about this idea of helping others come alive, here's what you don't want to understand about this guy, okay? This guy was a who. Look at your neighbor and say, who? All right, some of you just asked that as a question. Here's what I want you to hear today. Every who in our life has a name. Every who. There's somebody's child, there's somebody's father, there's somebody's friend. I mean, I'm reminded when I go to a football game and I see someone do something really crazy and stupid, the first thing I thought is, oh my gosh, that's somebody's dad. <laughs> and then I think like my mom would say, that's somebody's child. <laughs> She would beat him backwards, right? But I want you to hear this. Every who has a name. We don't know what this guy's name was, but here's what I know. He had one. And every name has a story. He doesn't just have a name. He's not just one of five million Phillips, but he had a story. The Bible says he was crippled. Like he was lame. Now, I know this sounds funny, but some of you, you've got some lame friends. You go, I know. That's why it turned out this bad. But this guy, he had a name and his name had a story. He had been brought to the temple and his whole life and his whole existence was left beside of a door to try to make a living for himself. So every who has a name and every name has a story. And as I read this story, here's what I realize. Every story matters to God. You see, it would have been real easy in Scripture to kind of look past this moment. I kind of looked at it this way. God, wouldn't it have been more popular for you to tell the part where Peter walked into the temple and there were 5,000 people in the temple and he stood before the crowd and dropped a seriously awesome sermon? But that's not the story. The story goes from Peter and John talking to the crowds and thousands of people giving their life to Christ, and it goes from all of the crowd to the one. Every story matters to God. Here's the cool thing today. Some of you, 
you're in the middle of your story. Like you're here and you're trying to figure out Jesus and trying to figure out faith and Christianity. And you're trying to ask the question, can Jesus really make me come alive? And I want to tell you, God's writing your story today. And it's a good thing you're here today because you need to know that you not only have a name and your name not only has a story, but your story matters to God. And so we see in this moment that this guy gets captured and has an encounter with these men that forever changed his life. So I, I want to help you think about something today. Why are we alive and left here? I mean, I've asked that question. I've said, God, could you please come back before April 15th? Like, just come back on the 13th so I can, like, to the IRS, okay? I just don't want to do this. I don't want to pay any more taxes. I mean, God, couldn't you come back, like, like right before, you know, right before something bad happens in our world? But here's the thing. Why are we here? We're here full of the Holy Spirit as believers, and we are alive. And you know what our purpose is? To help other people come alive. I mean, I think that's pretty amazing because sometimes I get that right, and I'm like, God, I want to help people come alive. And then I think, God, didn't you have another plan? Our purpose, our whole reason that we're here is to help people come alive. So if you have a pen today, I want you to write down some, some very critical things that, that I think we need to understand. If, if we're going to live fully alive and we're going to be fully alive, then we need to understand God's purpose in keeping us here. If you have a pen, I want you to write this down. First of all, who is waiting? Look at your neighbor and say, who? Here's the problem. I'm not asking you a question today. Who is waiting, period? See, the good thing is I made A in freshman comp in college. Come on. And I learned this very simple thing that if you put a period at the end of a sentence, it means something totally different than if you put a question mark. Because the statement I just made to you is not a question today. It's a statement. Who is waiting. The guy in the story, he's the subject matter. He was the who. And we know that by looking at it, they weren't sitting around going, man, I wish I knew your whole background and your biography. All they knew is that this guy had been placed in their path and they walked by him. And can you imagine the thousands of people that every day just walked right by this guy? Here's the truth. Our lives are filled with who's. Oh, they have names, and they have stories, and they certainly matter to God, but just like this guy, our lives are filled with who's. And who is waiting? Look what it says. The Bible says he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple. Every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day. No different. Somebody picked him up. Somebody carried him on the camel. Somebody slid him into place and somebody walked away. And then thousands walked by. But here's the thing. His name was who? And he mattered to God. Our lives are full of who's. And here's what's crazy. There are people in our lives... 
that we look at and say, man, I would never guess that that's the who that God wants me to recognize. Here's the crazy thing. There are people in our lives that are beggars. Here's our problem. We think the people in our life that God wants us to touch and change and impact their lives are somehow on a street corner with a sign that says, I'm hopeless and hungry, give me $5. I want to tell you, they're football coaches, they're students, they're co-workers, they're clients, they're patients, and every day, who is waiting for you and I to pass by? Wow, when I first saw this, I was like, God, that, that changes my whole perspective. Because what I do many times is I look at people and I try to assess their need, and, and many times I don't even understand their real need. I mean, these people, they're sitting there begging, but they're not begging for money. They're not begging for really food or clothes. They're begging for someone to tell them something they've never found in their life. You say, how do you know this? I was a who. Till I was 17 years of age, people who called themselves Christian walked by my life and they just passed by. This guy, he laid here and people threw him money. I'm sure people said, man, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this guy some money because I see him here every day. Here's our problem. We don't understand that who is lost. I mean, think about it this way. Our world is full of crippled people. I pass them every day. They wear business suits. They drive nice cars. Here's our problem. We think people that are lost are people who are down on their luck, drunk from last night, strung out on prescription drugs, and everybody knows it. Listen, you, you may have missed a lot of who's, but here's what I know. Who is waiting? Who's waiting for us who have come alive to walk by them? And they're crippled. And they're saying, I don't know how to ever get myself out of the place where I found myself. Who is waiting? They're waiting for us to walk by. You know what else I learned when I read this story? Not only who is waiting, but I realize that I have to ask myself a question every day. Are you willing? Because here's what happened. The Bible says when everyone else was walking by, like people would just throw the guys coins and, and change and spare this and spare that. And, and all of a sudden, these two guys did something totally different. The Bible says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Here's what happened. They were willing, and they took time, and they noticed the guy. Who is waiting? The question is, are we willing? Are we willing to stop, slow down our lives, and take notice? Peter and John. First time I read this, I thought, wow, they called the beggar out. There's an exclamation point there, right? Hey, look at us. That wasn't the tone. The tone was the noise of the crowd was so full going in and out. They knew they had to lift up their voice and make eye contact. 
And here's what they were really saying. There are gonna be hundreds of people walk by your life and never notice you, but I will notice you. I will notice you. I don't care, I don't even know your name, but I will notice you. The question is not are people waiting, the question is are we willing? Are we willing to notice them? And not just put them in a category of too far gone or never changed life or can't be fixed and bring them to a point of saying, God, why did you want me to notice this person? Because every who has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. They walked right in front of the guy and they were willing. Here's what's crazy. They saw past his condition They saw past his past. They saw past all the junk in his life. And you know what they saw? They saw his soul. They saw his soul enough that they slowed down. See, what we do in life is we often see people's problems. And so what we want to do is we want to fix their problems, but we never want to bring them to a place of letting Jesus fix their soul. But these guys didn't do that. They could have walked by. They had every single reason to not slow down. I mean, think about it. They're about to go in the temple and drop some Jesus on the place. (laughs) But yet they stopped. They noticed. They got his attention. Here's the thing I want you to hear today. There will never be a person in our lives that we lock eyes with that God doesn't know, love, or care about. Change our whole perspective of the rest of our life that when you look into someone's eyes, you gotta see past their problems, you gotta see past their struggles, and you got to see what Jesus sees. He wants them to come alive. He wants to change their life. You see, it it would have been much easier to just walk by and never notice, but they were willing to slow down. Who is waiting? Are you willing? This for me is where the game changes. You ready? If you're willing, here's what we do. We gotta drop the name. Let me explain, okay? I've noticed that in our world, we're full of name droppers, right? Like we got people, they drop names left and right. When you meet someone you don't know, the first thing they try to do is to get commonality. It's like the Dale Carnegie School of Influence or whatever. And they look at you and they say, hey, do you know so-and-so? Well, I know so-and-so. Well, hey, we used to hang out. Well, hey, we did lunch together. And, and people try to get commonality by whatever name they drop. So if someone drops a really good name, you go, oh my gosh, you know the president? Or, oh my gosh, you know so-and-so? She used to sing with that band. Or, you know, and, and suddenly, we rank them in influence by whatever name they drop right? I'm sorry, am I calling out society? (laughs) That's right. Our life and our existence is full of name dropping. Some of it's unavoidable because that's part of how we get to know each other. How are we in common with one another? But I want you to understand today in this moment, Peter and John, they weren't dropping names to network on LinkedIn, (laughs) what they did changed this guy's life. 
I want you to notice what they said and did for him. And I want you to notice what they didn't do for him. See, we often feel good when we can do something for someone, right? Like, I get that. Like, I remember the first time I went on a mission trip and we like, we like fed somebody. And I went, wow, they probably wouldn't have had that nice of a meal if we wouldn't gone on this mission trip and fed them. Or we go do something for someone like, wow, that person now has clothes. And man, that's exciting. That's awesome. You know, and, and, and we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I, I don't want you to ever forget that. But these guys, when they walked up to the man who has been lame his whole life, they didn't do that for him. In fact... The Bible tells us this, verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. And then listen to what he says. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Not in the name of Sean. Not in the name of Frank or Bill or William or Gary. In the name of Jesus. Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. See, here's the truth. People have deeper needs than what we see on the surface. They have spiritual needs inside of them that's like a hole in their heart. It's like a vacuum. And if we're not careful, we'll spend our whole life trying to fill that vacuum with things that don't fit. It's kind of like this. If, I just want to say this. If I'm ever out on I-85 and you see me broken down in my car like, like the wheel, like I have a flat tire, and like I'm outside the car and I'm trying to fix the flat tire, and, and because you love me, right, because you care for me, you come up and you park behind my car and you get out and you say, hey, Sean, I see you're broken down. Hey, I want to let you know that uh, it looks like your car could use a nice waxing. So what I did to help you today is I brought you some wax for your car. <laughs> Man, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to put you in a headlock. Right? I need some air in the tire. I need some help changing the wheel. I need, some, I need something to get me back on the road. Listen, wax is good, but it won't fix my problem. And that's what Peter and John did. They walked by the guy and they said, listen, we could throw you money. We could throw you alms. We could pat you on the head and say, love you, brother. Okay, we could do all that. But they didn't. The Bible says they were willing to slow down enough. And here's what they said. In the name of Jesus, they dropped the name. Here's what I think we struggle with. We want to change people's lives. And I say it again, many times we often feel good for what we think we can do for someone. And I just want to say this to you today, that's very narcissistic. Jesus has put his spirit inside of us to come alive and change this world. And the coolest thing is this, when we drop the name of Jesus, we at that moment possess the power to change someone's life, not through us, through Jesus. See, that's the cool thing. I don't, it's not on me. 
I mean, I remember when I was 18 years old and I would go out and I would try to tell people about Jesus and I would like have a 30-page track and I'd say, let's go to page 17 where it says, you know, and they're looking at me like, dude, I don't care about it. But here's what I learned. I can change someone's life if every day I start dropping the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the one that changes them. I just got to get good at dropping the name. See, I want to free you today. Some of you go, I can't ever tell people, no, 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 listen, you can. Just drop the name. Because if we don't, and I want to make this statement today, if we're not careful, that that there's going to be a lot of people in hell who are going to be well-fed and well-clothed, but they've never come alive. And so I'm all for that. Like, I want to feed people. I want to, but listen, I want to see people's lives changed. Like mine was changed. The day I got off up my knees in Oklahoma City and said, Jesus, I want you in my life, something came alive in me. And once you've experienced that, you want people around you to experience it too. And then you realize, what was the difference? It was in the name of Jesus that changed me. Not my name. Not your name. Not the name of a church. It's the name of Jesus. Drop the name. I thought about it this way. You know, what we, what we give to people says a lot about what we think can really change them. Drop the name. He dropped the name, it says in verse 7, and then he helped him up. Look what it says. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet became strong. He told him about the one that could set him free, and then he just didn't leave him and say, figure it out, brother. He came to him, and he reached his hand down, and he helped him to his legs, and the Bible says the man's legs became strong. Why? Because it wasn't on Peter and John. It wasn't their name that was at stake. It was the name of Jesus. Listen, you want to know what will turn this world upside down? When we as believers think every day, God, would you give me one opportunity today to drop your name? Somewhere, somebody. I could turn a whole Walmart upside down. Some of you go, wow, that's powerful. Just got to start dropping the name. You say, I work with people. They don't believe in God. I work with people. They're, they're super religious, but they've never been changed. Start dropping the name. Start saying, hey, I, I want to tell you about like, what Jesus did in my life. Because here's the truth. There's more power in the name of Jesus than problems in people's lives. Did you hear that? There's more power in the name of Jesus than there are problems in all the world's life. There is no other name. We said it earlier. There is no other name. There's not 50 ways. There's one way. And Jesus said, my name has power in it because it is what changes a person's life, not me and you. So take the monkey off your back like, man, I got to somehow change it. No, 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 no. All you got to do is be willing to drop the name. Because here's what I know. When we come alive... We care about other people coming alive. See, people who come alive want others to come alive. In fact, I'll be honest with you, it really starts consuming you because here's what you do. You realize you can see past someone's surface life and see what's deep inside them and say, man, 
Jesus changed my life in that way, and he can change yours. People who've come alive, they want. Look what happened in verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, verse 10, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And look what it says. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. I mean, imagine, the guy's coming in, and he's not like walking in going, yeah, man, I'm coming into the temple. The Bible says he was leaping up and down, like he was getting down, like he was having a party. (laughs) And he walks in, (laughs) and they go, hey, isn't that that beggar? Oh, man. That's what's cool about dropping the name of Jesus. You get to see shock and awe on people's face when they say, hey, aren't you Sean who used to like go out and smoke dope on the weekends and like all you cared about was money for the beer run? And, 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 and they look at you and they go, whoa, what happened to you? Somebody dropped the name of Jesus on me. And Jesus changed my life. And he made me come alive. Listen, folks, the world is waiting for us to come alive. When all this had happened and they saw and the people were in amazement and awe, there was a moment where it opened the door for Peter to stand up and give witness, give testimony to what Jesus had done. It's in Acts 3.16. Look what the Bible says. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see... (laughs) And no was made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that completely healed him. And then I like what Peter says, as you can all see. I want to ask you a question today. Are you willing? Because who is waiting? You're going to pass by them tomorrow. Students, you're going to pass by them in your fourth period class. And you're going to do one of two things. You're either just going to walk by and just look at them and say, you know what, I really don't care about you. Or you're going to look into their soul and you're going to say, I wonder if you know the name that could forever change your life. I want us to bow our heads today. See, here's what I realized today. There are some who's in this room today. I mean, we're talking about who's in our world, right? Like people out there that that God wants us to pass by. But here's what I know. There are some of you that you've come in here today and you're the who. You're the who in this story. Like you're crippled by the things that have happened in your life and and you're crippled by sin that, that has literally kind of put you in shackles. But I want to tell you today, there is one name that can save you and set you free. And today, before I leave, before we leave, I want to give you an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Sean, I have never had a time, a moment, a place in my life that I know 100% sure that Jesus came into my life. Like, I've been to church, I've, I've read Bible scriptures, I've gone to VBS. Listen, I understand all those things. Those are good things, but it's not through the name of VBS that you're saved. It's through the name of Jesus. And so today, if you've never, ever given your life to Christ, right here, right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Would you just say these words to me silently and let's pray this together. Just say, dear God, thank you that today you found me. 
And today, Jesus, I realize that there is no other way but you. Jesus, today, I open up my heart, I turn from my sin, and I invite you to come into my life and save me. Tired of being religious, and I'm tired to fix my own problems. Jesus, today, I give you my life. Jesus, save me today.